In today's world, listeners are complex and multidimensional, and it's a little cumbersome to toggle back and forth from channel to channel trying to get your fix. We feel your podcast should be just as diverse as you. Welcome to Fred Talks, where the topics are as layered and multifaceted as you are, with a dash of inspiration and a little bit of an edge. Peace. Welcome to another episode of Fred Talks, a catalyst for crucial conversations for the culture. I'm your host, Fred B. And today we got another dope episode for you. I want to add my two cents to the canon on the topic of finding your purpose. As an avid reader and seeker myself, I know that bookshelves and motivational speaking conferences are saturated with tidbits on this topic. I mean, there's no dearth of uh, chatter, chatter. Uh, thoughts and musings on this topic. I recognize that, you know, million, uh, many brilliant minds have uh, touched on this topic, and I'm sure many brilliant minds will chime in on this topic for centuries to come. However, my objective, though, is just to simply phrase it in such a way that those that rock with me might hear something a little bit differently, make it resonate with you and fuel you to go further in your journey and your development. So today's episode may get you through the next six months or maybe to get you push you through uh, to the next year, next 12 month mark. Or maybe you don't even need this right now, but you might find yourself in six months or a year from now needing some motivation. And this might be the thing that lights your fire. And then, you know, travel a few steps further and then you'll hear or see some concepts illustrated another way, maybe by somebody else um, chiming in on the topic. And uh, at that point, it'll be helpful for you at that juncture uh, or it'll give you a fuller revelation of something that you already learned in previous days, weeks, months and so forth. Because that's how learning occurs, right? We come into an understanding and then we become clearer. One proverb at a time, one life experience at a time, building block upon building block, all accumulating and adding to our understanding and development. Uh, you know, it's not instant, it's cumulative, right? So having said that, uh, let's get into our ground rules before we get too far down the road and then we'll unpack this a little bit further. This probably doesn't need to be said, but of course, we're going to say it anyway. The views and opinions expressed on Fred Talks podcast are not to be misconstrued as professional advice, counsel, gospel, a personal attack, law, guarantees, a substitution for hard work, a one-size-fits-all formula for every scenario, or any type of promise. It's a podcast, y'all. Come on. You know you need to consult a credentialed professional before making a hasty or significant change with your life. Don't you? Don't you? Of course you do. Now, be encouraged by the show. Be entertained by the show. Be challenged to cross-examine some of your long-held beliefs. Note, the host and his guests have strong views held loosely. Being committed to lifelong learning means that their perspectives may change in light of information. That's not contradiction. That's evolution. So please, don't come for us. Unless we send for you. Now that we have an understanding... Let's get back to today's episode of Fred. All right, so y'all know how I like to do. I like to give you the background and the backstory behind what inspired the episode. So what had happened was <laughs> I read a post not too long ago that sheds a, you know, a little bit of light on how uh, parents or society uh, usually ask questions of teenagers that are not really well thought out. And you know how that can go. Of course that can happen, right? Because 
anybody listening to this podcast, I'm sure you had an experience like I have that you had this thought in your head that just seemed brilliant. And uh, then as soon as you post it or as soon as you blurt it out of your mouth, you're like, hold on, that didn't sound as genius as it was when it was in my head. That didn't come out right. Right. So, of course, it can happen in the course of parenting that we might pose questions with good intentions, but we didn't really think it out. Right. And because of that, it could really create some anxiety because the teenager is thinking I'm supposed to have a definitive, uh, appropriate answer, a response to that. But it was a setup because the question didn't really set them up for success. You know what I mean? And, and so this post was speaking uh, particularly about the future and more specifically about the teenager's future, which got me to thinking, you know, I'd be willing to bet that many people listening to this podcast have experienced some level of anxiety around their future. And especially at the time of publishing this post where we got COVID-19 as the backdrop, uh, we have um, Democrats and the pub- Republicans, uh, you know, the blue and the red, they out here like set tripping, you know, it, it, the tension is so thick. It's like bloods against Crips. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, uh, we got racial tension at a fever pitch. It's, it's a lot going on, a lot of uncertainty. And I'm sure uh, anxiety is high during these times. Now, as as now bring to bring it back in, though, where I'm talking about anxiety around the future, depending on how you're wired and the context of your childhood, there's a couple of ways that I could probably explain your experience as it relates to your thought pro- process towards your future as you were coming up. Number one, it could be that you know maybe you dithered through high school and you were uncertain of exactly what you uh, were going to do after high school, after high school, what you were going to pursue afterward, and this sense of uh, uh, being lost, if you will, was probably exacerbated by comparing your path to the path of your classmates as if they're all related. You know what I mean? A- as a sidebar, isn't it insane if you if we just step back and think about it objectively, isn't it insane to think that other people and how they live their lives can be an accurate metric metric or benchmark to measure how you and me, how we're supposed to be living our life as if these, you know, as if we all have the same beginning, same context, same fate, same support system, same purpose even inscribed on our hearts. If you're purposed to be a welder and I'm purposed to be a poet, I have no business comparing your path to my path. The two are not congruent. They're not compatible, right? Um, Even further, it's not as if we all have agreed to accomplishing the same things before we agree to coming into this dimension, uh, into this plane of existence, if you will. So, you know, that's just a little sidebar. I digress. A- another possible explanation is that since a child, you found a passion or fascination with a certain field and you knew exactly with absolute conviction what you were called to do in your life and that calling if you will, I'm doing air quotes, uh, influenced the way that you would chart the rest of your life. In fact, upon discovering your purpose, you yielded to it and you reverse engineered your life as much as you could by filtering every critical decision through the purpose that you have come or you came to accept. Now, for some, you had a certain sense of certainty that may have even been cultivated by the community that you were in or maybe your culture. You know, there's certain cultures that say, you know, my child is on the path to become a doctor. It's almost like you didn't really get to decide. I mean, maybe you decided that you would not rebel against uh, what was mandated of you, uh, but uh, culture has a way of also creating certain leanings, certain appetites, certain affinities, et cetera, et cetera, you know? So that's also another possible uh, explanation. All right. So for my first point, though, I want to caution us from being married to the specifics of the purpose that we have. Come become aware of prematurely. You, you got to let it breathe a little bit. You know, you might have clarity on the frame, but it still needs to be colored in. Uh, it still needs some texture. 
Uh, so, so what we need to realize is that we can't be premature in our assessment, nor rigid in our pursuit, because our calling has to have some type of elasticity. Um, and I, I'll unpack that a little bit further. But, but first, let's talk a little bit further about prematurity as it relates to answering something uh, definitively or assessing something definitively prematurely. You know, to my earlier point, of course, there are other ways uh, this could have played out. You know, for instance, you could have come from a military family and you despised the travel and the instability of being uprooted from one place to another place and not really having that uh, social stability. Um, and so that could have produced in you the mindset that says, well, while I'm not clear on what I am going to do, I know for sure what I am not going to do with my future. And these decisions or indecisions were expected to be fixed or concretized or locked in by 18, by age 18, um, or by the time that you graduate high school. And, and this is low key absurd when you think about it, because, um, you know, you're expected to have it all figured out by the time you, that you're 18 <laughs> and your brain is not even fully developed until you're like, you know, well into your twenties, you know? So again, I'm saying, all I'm saying, I should say, is that we have to allow space for some inklings and some intuitions to breathe a little bit before we become rigid in our pursuit of it. Now, let me be clear. Um, as someone with a, with an A-type personality, I'm all in favor of having a plan and having a vision. I strongly believe that keeping the end goal in mind allows us to reverse engineer our plans to ensure that we reach the goal, or at least it gives us a higher probability of reaching the goal, right? I believe that the power of having a vision is that it creates restraint. You know, knowing where I want to go in the end helps me to manage my present, you know? Uh, um, also, uh, I can say, no to some pleasures of today because of what I know I'll be able to do tomorrow as a result of saying no, uh, as a result of having that discipline to say no. And, you know, there's a quote by a popular sp uh, speaker that still rings in my heart that says something to the effect of clarity of vision allows acceleration to the no to the known goal. And I, and I fully believe that. But I hold these core values and beliefs in tension with another truth that real life just will inform you of uh, is that sometimes plans are everything while plans are nothing. And if you uh, have ever, uh, if, if you're a parent, you get this. You can have a well laid out plan, but uh, whatever can go wrong will go wrong. I mean, you know, you can have everything mapped out, you know, and you can have a, a tight itinerary, a tight, tight schedule, but you can't plan for um, a child that just will not get on board with your time, your time schedule. In fact, sometimes parents are so future oriented and children have a way of just being in the moment present, like right now, like all they're focused on is playing with this toy and they can't connect the dots with them playing with this toy a little bit too long or them lollygagging or them not moving with a sense of urgency to brush their teeth or make their bed is impacting all the other dominoes that have to be knocked down for the rest of the day. You know, being late with one thing affects everything. And that's sometimes the tension. Again, parents being future oriented children, you know, the younger they are, they're just focused on one thing right now, not really thinking about the panoramic uh, 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 view of everything. Right. So 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 plans are everything while plans are nothing. All that means to me is that plans are necessary, but plans should be, not be made into an idol. 
Make the plan. Use the information. But understand that all you know is not all there is to know, and you'll continue to get updates as you're on your way. And you have to assess and metabolize that information and make adjustments accordingly, right? You're going to continue to course correct until you reach the destination. Now, at 18 or younger, it may be premature to cast a vision for your entire life. Have some general sense of the direction you want to move in, or you might even have something a little bit further uh, developed than just a general sense of direction. But just don't think you can map out your entire life at age 18, yo. Uh, now, somebody's probably going to send me some comments, tweet me, at me, come for me. Look, I'm not saying there's not outliers, there's not exceptions to the rule. I'm just saying, um, generally speaking, these are these are just general guidelines. None of this is law, right? Not only is it premature, notice I didn't say immature. Uh, it's extremely limiting. As someone who has been married for over 11 years, uh, I know that the person that, uh, you know, <laughs> the person that you vow to spend the rest of your life with is not the same person that you married. <laughs> and neither am I. Neither, neither, neither are you. You know, you're going to, you're going to evolve. Life has handled you. Uh, it's, it's created certain proclivities, uh, and, and it has morphed those appetites in you, those tendencies and the things that you used to get excited about. Uh, they're going to gonna change along the way. And guess what? That's okay. In fact, it's better than okay. It's commendable, you know, and, 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 and let me go even further. Let me, let me just kind of pivot from there. As, as I'm thinking about this, you know, a good example, not the only example, is when we look at the life of our ancestor, Malcolm X. He evolved from Malcolm Little to Detroit Red to Malcolm X to El, El Haj Malik El Shabazz, right? So it's very plausible that the calling and sense of purpose that Malcolm Little had was very different than when he got towards the end of his life, right? <laughs> he changed. He kept evolving. There was different iterations of, of who he was, right? Now, uh, does this mean that he was wishy-washy? Of course not. It just means that he had to continue to course correct. He had to continue to allow life to inform him until he got ultimate clarity on where he was going. You know, it just means that you haven't remained in the same place, literally and figuratively, for the last 10 years. You've allowed yourself to live and to imbibe and to digest life. And this is why wisdom says judge nothing before it's time. All right. For my next point, let's explore how purpose is somewhat like fingerprints. So another common sensation we get is uh, because we feel this pressure, whether self-imposed or imposed by society or our close community, uh, in our haste to give a definitive and compelling answer about what we believe our life's purpose is, we look outward instead of inward. Now, looking outward is the easy work. It's easy to look at someone's highlight reel and assume that we want that for ourselves. In fact, not only is it easy to look at somebody else and what they're doing and assume we want that, it's easy to fantasize and to romanticize about something that we really don't have all the intel about. You know, it looks polished. Yeah, but we don't know the sacrifices that somebody had to make. We don't know um, the pain that produced the passion and the zeal and the perseverance for them to press through what they had to press through. You know, so we don't always have all the tally marks, if you will, so that we can accurately calculate and count up the cost. You know, um, so that's the quick and shallow work. Now, now, please hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you cannot or should not or will not have mentors who leave such an indelible impression on you that you consider following in their footsteps. That would be, you know, great if if, if you're given that. Uh, but what I am saying is that even that external stimuli is not sufficient and is not real. If you can't look inward and find a witness on the inside of you to what you're claiming you want to pursue that you see outside of you or outwardly. 
because purpose is like a fingerprint. We all have fingerprints and they are made of the same elements. They function the same. Uh, they can be used as identifiers. They can be used biometrically to protect confidential information and so on. But even with all of the similarities that exist, yours and mine will look uniquely different. So don't make the habit of discounting your unique fingerprint. If we undressed everything down to something seemingly as mundane as just a fingerprint, <laughs> then we'd have less reason to covet someone else's. You know, you ain't gonna want somebody else's fingerprint. You're gonna, you're gonna treat it like it's mundane. You're gonna treat it like it's just common, you know? Oh, it's just a fingerprint, right? Uh, you, you wouldn't trade yours in for someone else's, right? Because you realize it only has value when it's on the hand that it belongs to. And that's the same way I tend to think about purpose. We interrupt this episode to express our gratitude for your listenership. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a regular listener, we want to deepen our connection. There are a few ways to do that. First, make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And of course, chances are that if you like the show, your friends will too. So be sure to post, share, and repost on all of your social media outlets. Also, don't be shy. Connect with Fred B on Twitter using the handle @FredTalks, spelled Fred T-A-L-X. After you've completed those two steps, visit the Patreon page at patreon.com slash fredtalks. Remember, talks is spelled T-A-L-X. And check out the multitude of ways for you to support. Lastly, if you enjoy the podcast version of Fred Talks, imagine how electric a live Fred Talks session would be. Sure, recordings are great, but... When it comes to value, there are some intangibles that require you to be in a live setting to get full impact. The goal is to begin online via the podcast and ultimately take the sessions offline to do the real work of providing solution-oriented, motivational sessions to impact current and emerging leaders of all ages. To get more information about hosting a live Fred Talk session for your staff, students, members, send an inquiry to fredtalks at mail.com to get the conversation started. That's all for now. Let's get you back to the show. All right, let me pivot from there and talk about how purpose is somewhat like belt holes or belt loops. You know, I've been vegan for a little bit over four years at the time of this, um, at, the, at the time of this publishing. Um, and needless to say, I've had to retire some of my favorite outfits since starting that vegan journey because, you know, styles are changing. Uh, and also because my size has changed along the way. Some things just don't fit anymore. And it just doesn't make sense to keep keep these, you know, hoard all these outfits that don't serve me. Right. And, you know, I want to be that guy out here on some anachronistic swag calling it vintage. You know, <laughs> we already got enough old guys out there denying that they're aging. Right. I didn't want that to be me. So if the, if the clothes are now out of season, let's go ahead and get rid of them. Right. Now, what's interesting, though, is I'm still the same person. The clothes just don't fit as they as as they are. And I'm not about to go get everything tailored also because, again, they they, they out of style, you know, some of them. Um, and so I'm leading into this. I'm, I'm not rambling. I'm going somewhere. I'm not I'm leading into this talking about belt holes because it'll help us understand how dynamic our purpose or dare I say purposes as in the plural form are. As far back as I can remember, you know, I, I wrote poetry. Then in high school, I wrote raps. Then in my mid-20s, I wrote spoken word. Then in my late 20s, I wrote sermons and, and I wrote a book. 
which you can get on Amazon, by the way, quality of words tied to quality of life. Thank you very much. But in my thirties, when I got married and when I became a father, you know, being a husband and a father took precedence over every other passion project or every other thing that was a priority at that time. Being a family man and leading into uh, leaving a legacy behind became my chief priority. Those other things that I was doing, writing, rap, song, sermons, books, and all those different things, they had a purpose, right? Like I was writing to inform, I was writing to motivate, and 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 I I felt fulfilled in that because I was following my purpose. But now I got something else that trumps that, right? So my belt loop changed to fit the stage that I entered in my twenties. You know, I had determined that I was going to be a world traveling preacher, pastor and motivational speaker. And at the time, I also held a corporate gig traveling uh, and doing some virtual instruction. So that means, you know, virtual instruction, my upper torso. I'd have the I had the webcam cam on. I'd have my tie, you know, my, my, my blazer, my lapel pin, tie bar. You know, I was I had everything on point, <laughs> but I had my basketball shorts on for my bottom torso because I wasn't. Uh, showing on the vis, uh, on uh, it wasn't visible on the uh, the webcam, you know. But I was traveling throughout the nation, putting on workshops, putting on training, soft skills, hard skills, uh, and then I was doing webcams. So that kind of uh, coincided with what I thought my purpose was. Like everything was congruent. Everything was uh, had had some synergy and had some momentum. But then when I went to grad school and I really embraced the process of becoming a researcher and in the process of falling in love with critical thinking, uh, you know, I started to think more critically about some of the cultural aspects and, and practices of the faith community that I was a part of. And then I had to make a decision. So some traditions and beliefs um, I kept and others that didn't really uh, serve me well for where I was going from that point on, I had to let go of, you know, and so my belt loop changed as I experienced life a little bit more. If you were to ask me though, in my twenties, what I was doing and what I, or what I would be doing, I should say, uh, uh, as I was completing my coursework for ministry school and serving in a pastoral capacity, I would have told you emphatically, unequivocally that it was going to be pastoring. So if you would have asked me what I was called to do, it would have been very narrow. And I would have said call to pastor. Now, to be honest with you, pastoring is very broad, but I would have only it would have been one dimensional, though. I was I was I would have told you I was called to pastor. And I would have said that as if it was the entirety of what I was called to do. But now, if you ask me, as my wife and I are raising our small children, my highest purpose, or at least for now, for the next decade or so, uh, is to serve my family. And to ensure these children are provided with a stable home environment for them to flourish uh, and that generational wealth creation systems are in motion uh, to secure their future. So clothes may change. Belt holes uh, will need to be adjusted to fit your current shape. But you are the same person or maybe you're not the same person. I like to say this. Uh, I know uh, this this religious phrase of being born again. And it talks about, you know, uh, being born again because of your faith. But I think uh, we're always being born again in a non-religious sense, on a cellular level, your cells are always, you're always exfoliating. You're always shedding off dead cells and your body is reproducing new cells. So you're on a cellular level, you're being born again. And then in light of new information, you know, you may have held tightly to a belief or 
um, to a way of doing things. But now in light of new information, maybe even correct information, you have to let that go. So your thought processes now are being born again. And so there's so many different ways that we're being born again. So maybe you aren't the same person. Right. And if you aren't the same person, that's all the more reason why those decisions that you made, you know, before your brain even fully developed about what you would ultimately do for the rest of your life uh, may need to be investigated. Uh, you know, you may need to interrogate uh, those thoughts and see if they still fit, see if they still work. Um, but you can also have multiple purposes. But just know that if you have multiple purposes, one will take precedence and the others will have to align uh, with it or defer to it. So in closing, I think I think I'm about to close. <laughs> uh, I just want to encourage you to reject reject anxiety uh, that results from thinking you have to have it all figured out now. Now, on the other hand, I, you know, I, I frame this by saying the questions we ask teenagers. On the other hand, I want to challenge you to act with some sense of urgency. If you are up in age and you don't have it figured out, you know, I want to put unnecessary pressure on you and say, hurry up and figure it out. But I want to let you know you ain't got forever to figure it out. You know, you want to you want to live the rest of your days as a meaningful life. Right. Um, but but give your, yourself permission to go full throttle with what you decide, but also give yourself permission to retire from one pursuit and then to refire uh, down another course, uh, if that makes sense. So uh, let me share some practical insights from a book that is replete with gems, y'all, especially for men. It's called The, w- uh, the Way of the Superior Man by David Dida. Uh, and in this book, one of the things he addresses is the shifting of our sense of purpose. You know, he discusses how our purpose uh, is actually layered like an onion. You know, you kind of peel one layer back and you see something different, peel another layer back and you see something different. He talks about how it's dynamic and it's not necessarily static. And he gives clues about how to know when you're in the middle of a shift from one purpose to another, or when one layer of your purpose is fulfilled and there's nothing left to see or to do to accomplish. Like it is, you know, it's like, it's like a painting. It's like, Hey, the painting is perfect. It's fully uh, mature. If you add anything else to it, you're going to mess it up. Right. So there's clues that might give us um, might indicate to us that that we're shifting, that nothing is really wrong. It's just you're not supposed to stay here or you're not supposed to go down this aisle or this path any longer. So I'm going to read from that book. And this is uh, pages uh, 41 through 43. I'm going to just read this real quick uh, so you can hear it right from how he uh, how he says it. All right. So. Jumping into page 41, about midway on the page, he says, among the signs of fulfilling or completing a layer of purpose are these. One, you suddenly have no interest whatsoever in a project or mission that just previously motivated you highly. Two, you feel surprisingly free of any regrets whatsoever for starting the project or for ending it. Three, even though you may not have the slightest idea of what you're going to do next, you feel clear, unconfused, and especially unburdened. Four, you feel an increase in energy at the prospect of ceasing your involvement with the project. Five, the project seems almost silly, like collecting shoelaces or wallpaper in your house with gas station receipts. Sure, you could do it, but why would you want to? And I can remember very vividly... um, what was going on in, in my mind and my thought process as it relates to my motivation when I stopped uh, doing ministry, you know, in the in the in the ceremonial context, you know, in a pulpit dressed up on Sunday and things like that. Um, I just 
you know, to some degree, it felt just ceremonial. It felt uh, predictable. It felt uh, it just felt like there's got to be more, you know, uh, like it served its purpose. And I, and I felt also like, hey, I don't have anything else to give. Like I got as much value from it as I could get. And I think I have uh, yielded as much value as I could yield. Like this is no longer the aisle or the path that I should be going down. And, you know, as much as possible, you try to end amicably. You try to put uh, things in place uh, so no one gets hurt. No one gets damaged. Try to communicate as clearly as possible that it's not necessarily about them. Uh, it's it, it is you. I know that's that's a common <laughs> a common line that people use when they're breaking up. But I mean, really, you know, this isn't about you. So don't center yourself in my story. You know, don't take offense. Uh, this is just something that I have to do. This is about my continued uh, evolution and my continued journey and, and, and sense of purpose, you know, and, um, you know, every now and then, you know, you're going to, you're going to make those decisions. You're going to have those hard conversations and people won't feel the type of way. Uh, but you can't let that stop you from, you know, your, your future development. Right. So, uh, he goes on to say, uh, if you experience these signs, it is probably time to stop working on this project. You must end your involvement impeccably. However, making sure there's no loose ends and that you don't burden anybody's life by stopping your involvement. This might take some time, but it is important that this layer of your purpose ends cleanly and does not create any new karma or obligation that will burden you or others in the future. The next layer of your unfolding purpose may make itself clear immediately. More often, however, it does not. After completing one layer of purpose, you might also, uh, you might not know what to do with your life you know that the old project is over for you but you are not sure of what's next at this point you must wait for a vision and um again i can attest to that you know i knew that i i wasn't going to be doing the ministry in the same way uh and even when i left uh the church that that church that i was a part of i remember communicating that hey you know this isn't about me going to another church uh i don't even I mean, there's not another church I'm interested in or I haven't even given thought to it. I haven't even explored what's out there. Uh, and this is certainly not about me trying to wield my influence and take members from here to bring them with me. Because, again, I have no place to go to. And I got too much respect for for you and what this experience has been for me to try to you know create that type of uh, damage anyway. You know, so he goes on to say there's no there's no way to rush this process. You may need to get an inter intermediary job to hold you over until the next layer of purpose makes itself clear or perhaps you have enough money to simply wait but in any case it's important to open yourself to a vision of what is next you stay open to a vision of your deeper purpose by not filling it with filling your time with distractions don't watch tv or play computer games don't go to drinking beer uh, with your friends every night or starting you know start dating a bunch of women simply wait you may wish to go on a retreat in a remote area and be by yourself. Whatever it is that you decide to do, consciously keep yourself open and available to receiving a vision of what is next. It will come. And when it comes, it usually won't be a detailed vision. And I started off by telling you that in the beginning. You know, sometimes you have the frame, but it still has to be colored in. Uh, you'll probably have a sense of what direction to move in, but the practical steps uh, might not make themselves clear. When the impulse begins to arise, act on it. Don't wait for the details. Learn by trial and error. Um, 
what it is that you're supposed to be doing. Because again, you get more on your way than you do when you get started. So you do have to start and then you just course correct until you finally arrive. He goes on to say, for instance, perhaps you were a stockbroker and finished that particular layer of purpose. You saved up some money. So now you're waiting for a vision of your next layer. After three weeks of going crazy, not knowing what you're going to do with your life, you begin to feel that you want to work with people. You begin to fantasize about using your financial skills to help people set up their own business. You have a few friends who have great intentions to save the world, but they're lousy businessmen and can't seem to get off the ground. So you call them and you offer your help. As you help them, you continually feel uh, feel for the groove of your purpose. You might have a few false alerts or a few false starts, but eventually you find that dozens of nonprofit groups are telephoning you, asking you for your advice. It feels as if the universe is supporting you in this direction. You have no idea whether you can earn a living doing this, but it feels right for now. So you apply yourself fully to it. You give your gift 100% without holding anything back. Let me just uh, pause right there and take a sidebar parenthetically to say, you got to give yourself 100% because if you're not fully committed, if you're like one foot in and one foot out, you won't really perceive when it's time to leave. You got to be fully there so you can know when that fullness uh, evaporates. But if you're just half doing it, you're going to be getting these half signals. You're not going to really be able to discern that the season is over. Right. Back to back to what the book says. Soon a wealthy man finds out about uh, what you're doing. He admires your total commitment and your orientation to serve others. He becomes your patron. Now you're set. You have a good income. You're doing what you really want to do and you're helping others. You love what you do. So you generate love and those who come in contact with you. Your life feels full. And then one day, a few few years later, it's finished. This layer has dissolved and the cycle begins again and again until you have penetrated all the layers into your deepest purpose. Then you act fully until that purpose, too, is dissolved in the bliss of the love that you are. All right. So in closing, <laughs> for real this time, uh, you know, I just want to encourage you to make allowances to conflate the multiple per- pursuits and interests if they aren't competing or uh, if they aren't mutually exclusive, give yourself permission to be bigger than one lane or to broaden or merge lanes. Uh, don't lock yourself into something um, and feel guilty about changing midstream. You don't necessarily owe anyone an explanation or an apology, I should say. Um, now, of course, there's an orderly way to remove yourself from it. You want to do that out of respect and out of honor, um, but you don't have to feel guilty for changing courses when seasons end, right? Uh, just like your fingerprint, know that you can't compare your purpose to somebody else's and treat it like it's something, treat it like it's precious, but then treat it also like it's common. You know, you, no one walks around being envious of somebody else's fingerprint because they recognize that the fingerprint is unique to the hand that it belongs to. And so your purpose is unique to the person that it belongs to. So don't go around comparing your purpose to somebody else's. Uh, be content, practice, master being content with your purpose and, and, and allow that to fulfill you, right? Um, it's your lane to do with it as you wish. All right, that's, uh, that's another episode. I'll catch y'all next time. As always, I appreciate you tuning in one more again with your guy while you're here. Just a reminder to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Fred Talks is available on every podcast platform. And hey, 
Run me those stars, fam. If you appreciate the show, say so. Log on to Apple iTunes and drop me a line about what you enjoy about the podcast. Leave that five-star review so the podcast becomes easier to find for others who are looking for something just like this. You probably don't think it's much support because it doesn't cost you much, but it absolutely means a lot to me that you would take a moment to do that for me. So thank you in advance. Hey, y'all have a great week. Tune in next week for another dope episode.